As you look across the landscape of churches today, particularly in Western contexts, you see three dominant paradigms for understanding congregational worship. And even if they don't use this language or name these paradigms explicitly, you kind of sense it there, you discern it there from the way that leaders design the, the gathering, the worship gathering services um, together, uh, and even from the expectation that worshipers bring into the service. And the first is the paradigm of encounter. You see this primarily, though not exclusively, in charismatic or maybe Pentecostal settings where churches uh, approach the gathered worship service as a time for us to meet with God and to encounter God. And you'll hear it uh, in the lyrics of songs, you'll hear it in the prayers, the opening prayers, the invocations, the call to worship, uh, and you'll hear it from worshipers as you interview them and talk with them about why they're coming to church. Inevitably, there's some sense there that the primary reason for gathering is to meet with God. It's encounter, and this encounter language uh, unlike maybe older encounter languages that are rooted in uh, the, the theology of the sacrament, for many modern charismatics and Pentecostals, this encounter language is actually rooted in the biblical stories of dialogue between God and His people. So it's God calling to Adam, it's God calling to Abraham, it's Jesus talking with Nicodemus, Jesus talking with the woman at the well. And so this language actually emerges from a rich biblical tradition of God and His people engaged in a dialogical relationship where it's not subject and object, where God is the only dynamic being or the only being and the people are the ones who are moved by Him. Rather, there is this interaction that occurs where God is moved by His people and His people are moved by Him. And so this is the encounter paradigm of worship. There's another paradigm that is popular and that may be called the paradigm of formation. And this paradigm approaches the congregational worship time as primarily the occasion for God to form us into His image. And so everything that we do and say and see must be very intentional, must be very thoughtful, because our, the whole purpose of our gathering is to be formed into the image of God. And there's something beautiful from that, and maybe one of the, the, the primary stewards of this paradigm are, are folks who identify themselves as being in the Reformed tradition, uh, where the prayers and the gospel content and the gospel narrative are, are things that we pay attention to so that people can be properly formed. The third paradigm that uh, emerges today or that we might name today is the paradigm of mission. And you see this, this might be the most classically or intrinsically uh, evangelical paradigm, the paradigm of mission. And this, of course, you know, has its roots in the Second Great Awakening and the frontier revivals where people were, were uh, awakened to the gospel and awakened to the good news through innovative formats for services. Well, over time, uh, that same sort of frontier shape of the services influenced the shape of, of uh, church services. And so the mission paradigm says, look, every time the church gathers, all of our decisions should be um, squeezed through the filter of the outsider or the person who is unchurched or the person who doesn't yet believe. And so many of the decisions about songs or about sermon series uh, are, are processed through the grid of how will this reach the unbeliever. 
Now, our tendency is to take each of these three paradigms and to privilege one over the other or to emphasize one over the other. But I think this is a little bit like if you've, if you've ever messed around with a photo editor uh, editing software on your computer or on your phone and you, you drag one aspect of the picture and it distorts the whole image. Now, I, I think when we privilege one of these paradigms over the other, we run the risk of distorting the image that we are meant to display into the world, specifically the image of Jesus, the image of Christ. And so churches that overemphasize encounter are in danger of serving up experiences to a consumer culture, serving up experiences where we can just uh, uh, engage in our expressive individualism and say, well, I like that and this is my flavor and this is my thing, and we're in danger of doing that. And churches that, that privilege the formation paradigm are in danger of, of making everything about our co cognitive engagement with God. And so everything is, is scripted and carefully planned, but we haven't left room um, for the movement of the spirit or even for the engagement of other parts of our being beyond our brain. And then the mission paradigm, if we privilege only that, we are in danger of distorting the image of who the church is called to be. Uh, and we end up being people that try to reach the lost at any cost. And so we've forgotten the thing that we've become stewards of, the, the mystery of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. It gets lost along the way, swallowed up in the container, if you will. What I think the key is for us as church leaders to be able to hold all three of these things not in divisive or destructive tension, but rather in generative tension, is to have a robust theology of the Spirit. I think when we understand that the Holy Spirit is not the property of any one stream or any one denomination or any one corner of the church, but it is the Spirit who gave birth to the church and it is the Spirit who animates and operates through the church, we can come to understand that actually it's the Spirit's work to help us encounter God. It is the Spirit who enables us to meet with God. It is the Spirit as the third person of the Trinity who is God at work in the midst of corporate and congregational worship. Uh, in fact, Paul's injunctions to the church at Ephesus in Ephesians 5 uh, to be filled in the Spirit comes through the speaking to one another, the making music together, the fellowship, the submitting to one another, and the giving of thanks. And it is the Spirit who forms us. Spiritual formation is the work of the Holy Spirit to form us into the image of Christ. And of course, it is the Spirit that makes the church missional. From the outpouring of the Spirit on the first day of Pentecost, we see this right there in the Scriptures, where people are hearing the Gospel in their own tongue. And so the work of the Spirit is not meant for our own sake or for our own experience or even for our own encounter or formation, but the work of the Spirit is for the sake of others to be able to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. And so I believe that if we can return to a deep and wide theology of the Holy Spirit, a robust understanding of the Holy Spirit at work in the church, we may be able, by the grace of God, to hold together these three paradigms for congregational worship, encounter, formation, and mission.